So this morning we're completing our short series on Acts 2, which we began um, early in July. So um, let's just remind ourselves of the passage, uh, starting at verse 42. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, um, I don't know if you do this, uh, speaking personally, I tend to break passages of scripture down into components. Um, I do it really to help handle the information and to aid my own sort of understanding. And and in the same way, that's what we've done when we've been considering um, this passage over four Sundays. Um, You know, Nigel shared on uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching and uh, last Sunday devoted to the breaking of bread and Phil shared on um, devoted to fellowship and this morning, well, I'm sharing on devoted to prayer. Um, As we come to the end of this very short series, it's important to remember that each are components of a whole. They don't stand alone, which means that each one... Uh, impacts upon the other. Um, it means we can be doing more than one of them at the same time. And it, it, it can be hard sometimes to see where the joins are and, and frankly, you know, unnecessary to expend too much effort trying to tell. Um, but for our church to grow, for us to reach the lost and for us to know Christ in his grace and in his power, all four activities must be as fundamental to the life of Gateway Church as they were to the early church. So a quick reminder of the background. The result of Peter's uh, sermon and God's gift of repentance is that 3,000 people became Christians and were baptised and became part of the first church. You'll see that in verse 41. And verses 42 to 47 is essentially a summary of what this first church looked like. Uh, What it looked like isn't important because it was perfect. Okay, because it wasn't. And read on in Acts, you'll find examples of its imperfection. But this passage is important because the early church were pursuing the right things. They were doing the right things. They were going in the right direction. How do we know? Well, just look at the fruit. They were being added to daily. Their number was growing. Church history, even modern church history shows us that churches that meet together and pray together are the ones that advance the kingdom of God and bear eternal fruit. It happened then. Church history shows us it happens now. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They, they devoted themselves. A collective word, not a single one. It's corporate prayer. It was praying together. Now, prayer is something that God ordained for us to do. And he delights in it, I think, because it reflects our dependence upon him. But there is um, a danger that prayer becomes something we only do in private. Uh, It becomes entirely personal to us. It's nobody else's business. Uh, And it's often entirely silent. Now, please don't misunderstand me. A personal prayer life is absolutely essential. But without a corporate component, without a, a significant degree of praying together, well, it's, it's quite simply, it's incomplete. It's missing something. So um, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew uh, 18 and starting at verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now, the context of these verses, uh, these are the words of of Jesus, um, is disagreement. It starts as a passage about how to, how to handle conflict. Uh, but in, in that way that he does, Jesus flips the subject over and talks about what can be achieved when people are in agreement. Now, I want to be very clear on what this doesn't mean before I get into what it does. This verse is not telling us there is a minimum headcount requirement for Jesus to show up. It's not saying, in effect, that we have to travel in pairs as a minimum. Um, After all, Jesus told us later in the Gospels that he would be with us even to the ends of the age. He will be with us wherever we are and whenever we are there. Okay? Jesus is speaking instead of the power of agreement And this is demonstrated when we pray together. Uh, We we don't use the word amen very much these days, I note. Um, Certainly not as much as we once did. Uh, When I say it, whether I'm going, or whether I'm going, amen, you know, when I say it, I'm expressing my comprehension of and agreement with the prayer of somebody else. I get what you're saying and I agree. (coughs) And there are other ways of putting it. You know, uh, I agree, I concur. It is so, so be it. I'm behind that and what he said, Lord. You know, but however you package it, amen says, I agree. And it signifies to God that what you said for us both. Have you got it? You said it for us both. And I can't say amen to what you pray unless I'm there to hear you pray it. And our agreement 
it's not some dry, binding legal thing. Um, our passage from Acts 2, um, it used the word uh, devoted. Uh, and devoted is variously defined as one, having great love for somebody and being loyal to them, two, zealous in defo- devotion or affection, a three, dedicated exclusively to purpose or use. So, this agreement when we pray together is based upon our love, loyalty, and devotion to Jesus dedicated to purpose and worked out in practice by everybody there, by the whole church. Now, Amos 3.3, it poses this question, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And it's... um, What... You come across them here and there in the Bible. It asks a dumb question. And it's doing it because it wants you to think. Of course they don't. You don't travel with someone unless you and they have agreed to do so. However that agreement might happen. Um, You may recall there was a a small, quiet wedding recently um, uh, in the in the church, and the the happy couple, uh, the day after they had got married, found themselves on a train with one of the wedding guests. And what happened? Well, the wedding guest was a bit embarrassed because he thought, "Well, I'm sure they don't want me. You know, they've just got married." Um, but no, no, they said, no, "No, travel with us till you get off. That's fine. Travel with us." There was agreement. It was a matter of cooperation. Okay. It seemed to be pretty obvious. You travel with someone if you've agreed to travel with them. So this is a, an odd question. But one of the things Amos was doing was to point, point out the two components. Okay, The first is, well, okay, you agree to travel together. And secondly, you travel together. Uh, walking together is the output, the practical result of the agreement to do it without which the agreement would be a waste of time. Or or put another way, an agreement to walk together demands that we do actually put one foot in front of the other and walk the same road together. Or, well, it isn't an agreement at all. And I note in our modern culture, there can be a tendency to treat making an agreement as the end in itself. Uh, Libya, there is a ceasefire agreement. Can you tell? Of course you can't tell, because no one's abiding by it. There was never a ceasefire agreement. They just said there was. How do we know there wasn't agreement? Well, nobody abides by it. It's not the same making an agreement as it is putting it into action. And if you don't put an agreement into action, you achieve nothing. Uh, Rupert and Flo, um, well, they prayed for a long, long time that they would have a family. And, and time after time, uh, over a course of years, the matter was raised before God in our prayer meetings and sometimes in our, our Sunday morning uh, uh, meetings. Um, I have to be dead honest. I started to feel that this was getting cruel to them. I felt that praying publicly for them like this, time after time, was 
deeply upsetting to them on such a personal matter. And uh, I got such a head of steam up about it, I actually went to see Nigel. And I said, look, it, th this is unkind now. You know, I don't think this is, this. you know, we should carry on. And um, with surprising gentleness, <laughs> uh, he said, no, he said, I've spoken to Rupert and Fleur. They want their church family to stand in agreement with them on this matter. They absolutely do not wish us to be reticent about praying for them, no matter how upset they may appear. They wanted us to stand in agreement. And when we prayed for them, we prayed in agreement. We agreed with each other, we agreed with them. This was the church. The church prayed with them, the church laid hands on them, the church prayed for them uh, and we stood with them in agreement on the matter of a child. Um, and the baby is due in October. And I, I, I can't remember why, but I was standing over there in that corner when they stood up and announced that uh, Fleur was pregnant. And I could see everybody's reaction because I was at the back. You know, and I could see the, the, <laughs> the fairly unruly line start to just go and hug them and bless them. Because we stood with them in that. We were in agreement with them on that. And God honoured that. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. You know, in, in our midst, the barren woman is going to bear a baby. Astonishing. There is power in the prayerful expression of agreement. Ecclesiastes 4. Um, very, I'm sure you all know this one. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. About uh, a year ago, perhaps a little more now, um, instead of our Sunday evening prayer meeting, at Chester Street, we actually met up here and we split into twos and we walked around the campus and we prayed for this university because we have a word of prophecy about Gateway Church and how it will affect and impact the university. And we could not see, we couldn't see it happening. And I suppose part of the thought process, it was certainly my thought process, was I have here what God says he's going to do. And I have here no evidence that he's doing it. And in that situation, what needs to happen is the evidence needs to come over and match what God says he's going to do. I don't drop what I believe God is going to do. Okay? It's reality that's got to change, not God. So we walked around the, the campus. We, uh, we prayed. Um, I got the short straw. I, I got Nigel, <coughs> who sort of flogged me round the university. We had to pray out loud or we had to pray in tongues, but we could not be silent. And it was certainly a surprise to the people coming out of the pub. <laughs> and we prayed. And we weren't the only ones. There were lots of other people praying because we kept passing each other and, and what have you. And we prayed. 
And in the first two weeks of the last academic year, so many students walked in. Um, we didn't go get them, they walked in. Uh, that coming back from, you might recall, a rare two-week absence, very rare, Nigel felt compelled to begin the meeting by introducing himself. Because there were all these people he didn't know in his church. Okay. And we've repeated that prayer walk, haven't we? We repeated it. And I've got to tell you, I was never, ever more blessed than to walk around the second time praying with a student who was the fruit of walking around the first time. Okay? What an astonishing God we serve. Okay. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Okay. That is why we pray together. Here's a comment from Matthew Henry. I do like Matthew Henry. Apply this, he says, and if you're listening to this, Matthew Henry says apply this, not me. Apply this. Many promises we have in scripture of a gracious answer to the prayers of faith. But this gives particular encouragement to joint prayer. No law of heaven limits the number of petitioners. If they join in the same prayer, they shall speed well. Um, This is interesting. The word of God says it. Matthew Henry uh, says it. And we've seen it. I don't put Matthew Henry up there with the, um, the, the Holy Scripture, but he's a useful guy to check. I suspect uh, most, of us, m- most of us are familiar with the instruction to pray continually or pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. I think the way you put it depends on your age and what version of the Bible you were brought up on. Um, but the instruction is found in the letter that begins with these words. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 27 in 1 Thessalonians 5 we read, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. Uh, this letter was written to a church as a body of people, not to an individual, and was read aloud to everybody. I believe the posh word is an encyclical. When Thessalonians heard the phrase, pray continually, they would not have immediately scattered each to their own home to pray. Uh, Absolutely not. They would have taken that as an instruction to join together in prayer. Prayer at any time is seldom wrong. But this is more than an instruction to personal prayer. And if we look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22, the instruction to pray continually doesn't come in isolation. But is, as the software guys would say, part of a bundle. It's bundled in with rejoice always. Give thanks, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt and hold on to what is good. Now that, folks, is what I call a prayer meeting. 
the gathering of a thankful church, rejoicing in their God, open to the leading and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, open to and thoughtful towards the prophetic guidance of God, and gathering with agreement and integrity. When we gather as a church to pray that, that is the model we follow. That is what we aspire to. Now, um, to those who who didn't make the church family meeting um, last week, it might surprise you to know that Spurgeon preached a whole sermon on prayer meetings. As an aside, I noted that his response to national emergency was to call the church to pray. Now, uh, uh, don't panic. I'm not going to reproduce the sermon here. They, they liked a good couple of hours in those days. If you didn't get two and a half, three hours, you, didn't, you, know, you, you demanded your money back. So apart from anything else, it's lengthy. Uh, but within it, he directly addresses the question of what prayer meetings are for. I thought he nailed it. Firstly, they are for the glory of God. He notes that the Lord's Prayer first identifies to whom the prayer is being addressed and then goes straight to, hallowed be thy name. Secondly, he notes it's for the blessing of the church where we pray for each other, where we rejoice with each other, where we struggle, where people are in in trials, with each other. And thirdly, what he calls um, the conversion of the ungodly. Uh, It's where we claim the lost, folks. It's where we claim the fruit of kingdom advance. So let me try and tie together what I believe God has to say to us this morning. Firstly, corporate prayer, well, that's when the whole church gathers to pray. Personal prayer life without a corporate prayer life is incomplete. So to beat about the bush, we must make sure we have both. Corporate prayer is agreement based upon love, loyalty and devotion to Jesus. Dedicated to purpose and worked out in practice by the whole church. It is the dwelling place of amen. Effective corporate prayer is undertaken through a gathering of a thankful church, rejoicing in their God, open to the leading of and gifting of the Holy Spirit, open to and thoughtful toward the prophetic guidance of God, An effective corporate prayer is undertaken with agreement and integrity. Corporate prayer is to purpose. For the glory of God, the blessing of the church, and the reaching of the lost. And corporate prayer, and we have experienced that as a fellowship, bears fruit. The next time we meet for corporate prayer is at Phil and Rachel's house on Tuesday the 7th of August at 7.30pm. 
where we'll be praying for church planting with a clear focus upon Deeside. Okay. We'll be doing all of the things I've discussed, but we want to reach the lost in Deeside. Now, if you need a lift, if that's the only reason you can't get there, please see Phil. Okay? And he'll help you out there. If you need more information, like how do I find your house, please see Phil. Okay. The thing with corporate prayer is it's something that we all agree with in principle, but we're maybe not quite so good at practicing it. We've got agreement to travel together, but are we going to go on the journey? So the question that sort of hangs in the air in, in what's been a, a short but I think provoking sermon is this. Will you be there? Will you be there? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us as a church. Lord, we have seen you move marvelously. We have seen you give us greater fruit than we asked for or could imagine. We have seen you provoke us, Lord, to ask for more. We have seen you, Lord, do the things that we have asked you to do when we have asked you in agreement. And we thank you, Lord. We're grateful. We acknowledge, Lord, that these were miracles. These were miracles by the living God for Gateway Church, his church. Heavenly Father, let us be people that walk the talk. Let us be people that journey in agreement. And Heavenly Father, we look to you again for fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. No, no, I think you didn't quite get it. In Jesus' name. Okay. There's um, tea and coffee and um, a selection of soft drinks, cakes, biscuits, patisserie and other things waiting for us through those doors. Can I just say, um, I would just say one thing. If you've come this morning and you're, you're fighting some sort of health related issue, we'd just love to pray with you this morning. So just tarry and we'll, we'll pray with you. That would be good. Okay, and I'm including me in that, so I'm going to get prayed for. Okay, amen. Thank you all.